Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big and ultimately how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Serial entrepreneur is a term that's often thrown around, but today's guest absolutely embodies that term. He's got a number of businesses and is an absolute content marketing guru. I loved in this episode where he talks about what he obsesses around, how he knows what he's good at and how he's actually been able to master the art of outsourcing everything else. He actually says he hates doing the same thing twice. So wherever he can, he can find a process to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I think that's part of the secret behind his success. He's written a number of books, including Content Machine, which is a fantastic book. And his up and coming book is called Create or Hate, which again talks about that we need to create space in our world to get creative, to to get out there and make things. You'll love this episode as much as I love sitting down and speaking with Dan Norris. Welcome, Dan. Welcome into the studio. It's very cool. Thanks for having me. No worries. So tell me what's a couple of the areas that you're focusing on. So you've got uh, a business, WP Curve. What, yeah. what kind of work does that, the business do? Well, it's interesting you use the word focus. So yeah, <laughs> I've got right. about five different businesses, <laughs> so I'm not sure I'd call it focus. But yeah, the main things are I've got a community of entrepreneurs who are building online businesses. Um, I've got a WordPress support company called WP Curve, which is a US-based business um, that does monthly recurring WordPress support on a subscription to about 1,000 customers around the world. I've got a brewery called Black Hops, and I've written four books, and I think that's about it. For today, right? (laughs) Next week it could be something completely different. It could be, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So split focus all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a brewery. Like, isn't that just, you know, everyone's dream is to have their own brewery? Yeah, I won't lie. It is everyone's dream. It's kind of, um, it's a fair bit of work, which is surprising because I thought we could just open a brewery and that would be it. But And the boys would do all the work. But, um, yeah, there's three of us. It's going really well. It's it's one of those businesses, like, I'm from the online world. So the, the online businesses are, like, they're just, they're just better. There's just better margins, easier to get staff, easier to use resources, easier to delegate and scale. Um, physical businesses is just like, it's not, it's sexy, but it's it's hard to make it into a good business. So it's like, that's kind of a challenge. We're trying to innovate with a few things. Like we've released a book, we've done crowdfunding, we've brewed a beer with Call of Duty. We've done all this, all this stuff that breweries tend not to do. So that's kind of in response to it being generally a pretty like low margin business, like a business that's hard to actually make money doing. Uh, yeah, it's been fascinating to watch. How have you seen people respond to doing it a different way? It's been awesome. We, we get so much press and attention. It's awesome. Right. This, yeah, th- this, week I think I've, this week I think I've been on Inside Gold Coast, More Gold Coast, the Jetstar magazine, Courier Mail, Gold Coast Bulletin, and that's all in the last four days. Wow, Just yeah. all the attention so- we're getting for various different things we're doing. So from that point of view, it's been really good, and we're getting a lot of people in the cellar door trying our beers. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, sold lots of books and so, yeah, it's going well. What's getting you um, lit up at the moment? Like what's the stuff that, that you're finding yourself getting really drawn into? 
I just really like anything anything to do with creating. Like if it's I'm, – I'm good on the like the zero to one kind of starting and creating stuff, but once it becomes procedural, I zone out. Right. So I, I just have to get – I have to kind of get good at um, building processes and things or building a team around me. Like one thing I've done the last few years is I don't start businesses by myself anymore. And that's Why been that? Because well, they just go to shit because they just get right. bored. Like it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and it's also – it's it's – like if you, if I've done a lot of like looking around in the startup world and looking at what works for them, and it's really, really weird in that world to start a business by yourself. Like you, you'd be almost no chance of getting funding. You'd be laughed out of the room in pitches. Like it's just people don't start good, successful, high growth companies by themselves generally. Right. But in in like my world, which is like self funded entrepreneurs and freelancers and stuff like that, and and solo business people, like it's normal to do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, so. So, so now I'm sort of like I've noticed that when I do things with other people, it's better because I can just do what I'm good at and what I like and the other people do all the other bits and it works a lot better. It's really powerful though having that clarity about what you what you do really well. Has that taken time for you? Yes. <laughs> Have you had to let go of stuff that you thought, oh, I should be doing it all, but actually it's much better to get someone else to do it? It's more, it's more not what I do well. It's more that I delegate everything, even if I do it well. Right. Yeah, okay. And where does that come from? Uh, just, just the realization that if I have to do anything more than once, I just get bored and it doesn't happen. Yeah. So right. even things like the the thing I like doing the most is writing content. Yep. But even for content, I got a, I got a I got a guy who writes content for my personal brand. I got a guy who writes content for Black Ops. Does all our newsletters, all of our blogs. Um, I got a full time content manager for WP Curve who runs all of our content, all the emails and blog and everything, all the social media. Um, occasionally, I write books and I do that myself. But there's nothing that has to be done every week that I have to do. Otherwise, it just it falls apart. It won't get done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get excited about a week for a week or two. Yeah, so one yeah. of your books is around Content Machine, which I know is a really valuable resource around people wanting to get into content marketing. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about your latest book. Right. Well, so I don't know. These books, they kind of write themselves. I, like, I never, never plan on writing books, but then I just get in a state where I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a book and then I write it and then that's it. But um, the, 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 one, the one we brought out for the brewery is called Operation Brewery and that was a fun one to write because it was all about like in, in like the online business world, to me, there's so much transparency, so much information that you're never struggling to find an answer to a question, whereas in traditional business, it's not like that. And so with the brewing, like we were building this brewery, having never built a brewery before, we were Googling everything you could imagine to do with like where to source equipment, how to make decals for taps, you know, how to, how to get the labels for bottles. Like just, I love it. I can everything. totally see you just going, how do you start a brewery? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We did all of that. And it's like, like this, inf- to me, like as an online business person, I'm like, this information isn't out there. It's a, it's a massive opportunity for us to just come in and use like my style of marketing, which is basically just to give away everything that I know and, and um, use that to build a brand. Because um, craft beer is just going through the roof, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a real industry that's going to be growing and people looking for that, it's I a imagine. Huge, it's a huge growth industry, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to start a company doing it. Right. I think it means like more people are buying craft beer than normal beer, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if you start a craft beer brewery, you can make shitloads of money because the, the industry is, it's, it's almost, it's, it sort of works against you in a way where like everyone else gets paid before you do and there's not a lot you can do about that. Yeah. So where do you get the idea, I guess, to share the process, the business behind it? Because I imagine there'd be plenty of people who go, you know, we're just going to do it ourselves and there's no way we're going to share that with anyone. Yeah. Well, well, that's just what I do. So, so yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that with, my, with WP Curve. 
actually even before WP Curve, I was writing monthly income reports for years, like even when I wasn't making any money, just writing like a monthly report on how much money I wasn't making. Right. Um, and I kept them going all the way up to we hit a million dollars a year in annual recurring revenue. Um, and I just like that transparency of putting that information out there is just kind of what I do. Like I don't really know how to market businesses any other way. So when, when um, Gaz and Eddie started talking about doing this brewery, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll set up a blog and we'll write some content. We'll do a podcast and I'll start writing a book and all of that and we'll get, we'll get press and like all of that kind of stuff, which I do. If, if it was up to us to market it any other way, I'd probably be useless because I don't really know any other way to do right. marketing. Right, so knowing my expertise over here and how yeah. we comply in that, in that sense. Yeah, and it's also no one else is doing it and, and, I'm, and I'm always conscious of, of whether or not you're actually doing something different or whether or not you're just copying everyone else. And if you can find an opportunity where people aren't doing it, there's normally, normally that's a good thing to pursue. Like as an entrepreneur, you don't want to go into something that absolutely everyone is doing. Yeah. Um, and no one was really doing, like no one's written a book. No one's launched a brewery on crowdfunding. Like brewers don't have podcasts or blogs. So it's, it was pretty unique in that industry. Yeah. So hitting trends and I imagine with your um, kind of seven, seven day startup group and entrepreneurs and the people that you're kind of connecting with in that community. I imagine that's a big part of like, what's a way of doing things differently. Is yeah. that actually hard for people to come up with, with new ways of setting trends? Has it all been done before? Based on how many times my business has been copied, I'd say yes, it probably yeah. is hard. <laughs> um, it's, it's not so much trends, I don't think. I mean, there's, there's trends in terms of like uh, hiring offshore staff, um, you know, monthly recurring services is a bit, is a bit of a trend. Um, building a business around content, like there's sort of trends like that, but that's, I think trends and differentiation are two different things. I think if you're like, if you're marketing and you're not doing it differently to anyone else, then you, you're just not a good marketer. Right. So, so I think that's probably normally the problem is people, they can come up with an idea for a business, but when you start a business, you're really, what you're committing to is 50% business and 50% marketing. Like you need to have the idea and you need to work out how to make it work, but then it's at least 50% of your time and money and effort needs to go into getting people's attention for it. And if you're a business person without a marketing skill set, then you're just not going to do a good job of that. And, and that's the, another reason to not do stuff by yourself because it's very rare for one person to have like product expertise, business expertise and marketing expertise. Yeah, it's almost the myth of that expertise. It believes that if I just put it out there, people are going to love it. Yeah, which, which, which does happen sometimes, but it happens very rarely. And it also like becomes a lot easier to launch products as you get more established as well. Like if I launch something now, I've got an audience I can launch it to. So it's cheating in a way. Yeah. Um, by, by cheating, I mean working my ass off for 10 years and building up a, an audience. <laughs> for an but, overnight success, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for, you know, if you don't have that audience, like it's, if, if people think like it's just about coming up with an idea, then, then they're just, they're not understanding how it works. Yeah. You've got to have that marketing. And it sounds like you've almost got to obsess about that in the process as well. Yeah. So have you, do you come across people, and I guess in your own experience, have you ever been in a situation where you know exactly what you want to do and you're really busy and active, but it's just not getting anywhere? Oh, like yeah. Not making progress. <laughs> yeah. What's been your experience? What's that felt like? In well, I mean, I, so I did my first seven years of entrepreneurship. I, I earned less money than I did in my job. You know, I was lonely. I was bored. I was unsuccessful. My eighth year of entrepreneurship, I lost all of my money. Um, I, I was basically, I lost my house. Um, I was into negative money like each month and I was a week away from having to get a job. Like that was three years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been there and it wasn't all that much fun. 
No, and seven, like seven to eight years, that's a huge amount of time. Yeah. So, so what was your thinking behind that to kind of keep going even when you could see the, the bank going down and going into the red? I don't really know. I mean, for one, like to go back to a job, I mean, when you become an entrepreneur, you basically swear that you'll never work again because, like, if you go yeah. back to a job, yeah. it, that would almost be like in your head that's like the worst thing you can possibly imagine, which it probably wouldn't be that bad, feels to like be honest. failure, but, but yeah, it probably would feels like wouldn't... epic failure. Yeah. Like I was looking at jobs that I used to do eight years ago and wondering if I could still get those jobs. Right. Um, and the skill set you build as an entrepreneur, like it's not the skill set that's really appreciated in big business. Yeah, so it takes a hit to your confidence. Oh, yeah, my confidence was just non-existent. Yeah. So that was part of it. So part of it was like, well, shit, I I, um, actually might not be able to get a job, might have to move to Brisbane, which is probably worse than getting a job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Gold Coast is, yeah, this is where we want to be. (laughs) Yeah, but there's no jobs here. No. So um, there was that. And also, like, I I was really caught up in my head about all these different things. Like, everything I'd done in the past had failed, so... I just had to question all of that and just be like, well, what if I just launched a business by this time next week um, without doing all the shit I usually do? Because I had no choice. Like I was literally a week, two weeks away from having to get a job. So that's what I did. And that business became WP Curve and I didn't have to get a job. Wow. So what happened in that week? Like that's a massive kind of turnaround. Yeah. Well, I, so I went into a forum and I, and I did what I normally do, which is like ask people's opinion about whether they thought it was a good idea. And everyone said, no, they thought it was a shit idea. Cause right. it was the, it was, it was pretty much the first business of its type to do like a monthly unlimited service. And I don't really know how I got that idea. I just sort of thought that if you've got a, w- a website, the needs fixes to it, there's, there's only a certain amount of fixes you're going to get each month. Like you're not going to get a hundred different changes. Yeah. And I thought, well, why don't I just try to do this for like 60 bucks a month on a subscription? Everyone thought it was a terrible idea because they just thought, well, people are just going to abuse it and you're not going to make any money. Um, but because I had no choice, I just launched it anyway. So I literally just, I, I bought a WordPress theme, set it up myself, um, had a live chat app, which I had from my previous business that I could use. As I said, I'll do 24-7 WordPress support. Had the live chat app next to my bed when I went to bed at night. Wow. So, like, if anyone requested a job, it would wake me up and I'd have to <laughs> fulfil it. And emailed my list and said, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to sign up? And um, I, had, I had 10 people sign up in the first week, which was, like, $500 a month, which was the – it was actually $476, which was the exact same amount of money that I'd – that I'd had in monthly revenue from the whole previous year. Wow. So I'd, I'd worked <laughs> for a year in a business, spent $80,000 on it, which is all the money I had, um, and I got to $476 in monthly recurring revenue yep. and spending two grand a month, so like losing money. Yep. And then within a week I was exactly the same okay. from this other business. So, so it's a bit of a sign that maybe yeah, this could work. Yeah, so then I shut, shut the other one down. Um, and then from then on, I basically signed up more or less 10 to 15 customers a week. Within two years, it was 1,000 customers and doing a million dollars a year. I had a business partner come on from the US to manage it over there. We've got a team of 40 people. Um, and, and, yeah, and I didn't have to get a job. So Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how important then is, and this might sound like a weird question, but how important is desperation to to then, you know, pulling the Band-Aid off and just going, okay, let's let's see how this goes? Well, I don't know. I've done it a few times. It's It might not be the best idea. Like, the, I, no, I, yeah. I did that when I quit my job. I literally got a promotion. Like, I've been there for four years. I only ever worked four years for anyone else. Worked there for four years, got a promotion every year, got, a, like, a pretty big promotion. Then two days later, I resigned and I'm like, actually, I'm just going to start my own business 
And like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to build websites. And I'd never built a website before. And I literally just quit on the spot. So that was, that was like, well, I'm just going to chuck myself in the deep end and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And, but it, it, I didn't figure it out. I mean, it took me seven years and then I eventually sold the business for almost nothing. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I did the same thing. So when I sold that business, I was making about 30, 40 grand a year so I could like survive, but it wasn't anywhere near my definition of like... Thriving. Yeah. No. Like it wasn't enough to pay our mortgage. So we'd gotten rid of the house and it was under all kinds of pressure. But um, so, so yeah, so, so that, was, that was basically like another moment where I was, well, I'm just going to burn the ships again and I'll get rid of that and then yeah. I'll be on zero dollars. Um, but I'll have enough money to figure out something else for the next year. Yeah. And um, that time it almost failed even worse. Like that a year later I was I had spent all that money, had no money left, I was applying for jobs. Um, uh, but, but, yeah, but so is it a good idea or a bad idea? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be You've here now if it wasn't. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know if I'd recommend that other people do that. No. <laughs> but, but there is a certain amount of like if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you kind of – you kind of can't do what everyone else does. Yeah. And you, you can't really, it's very difficult to work a job and be really focused on something else with no pressure to really actually make it work, you know, get out and hustle. Like it, it, it would be very difficult, I think, to do it any other way. So it sounds like some of the lessons have been get people around you as well in that process. So try and find new different ways, but do it quickly, ship it, See how see what lands and see what doesn't. Yeah, I think well, for, definitely for the seven day startup, it was just about like forget about all these assumptions. Any like everyone was telling me that business. It was an analytics dashboard. Was the, was the business I built? It was like a little program that you could connect all your apps to and get data from. Because I like line charts. Apparently, no one else does, but right, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, like the feedback I was getting from people was so positive. It was like. I had guys around the world, like startup experts, just saying this is a great business. I had people literally sending me unsolicited testimonials saying, oh, this is amazing, like I've been waiting for this all my life and stuff amazing. like that. Amazing, okay, yeah. And then so I was like, oh, sweet, this is really good, this is really good, but but that failed. So like literally when I launched Curve, it was like I, you just, I just couldn't listen to anyone. Like like the people in the group said it would be shit. I yeah. had my friends telling me like, you know, you're, you're flaky, you keep firing, paying customers, you know, nothing you do ever works. Like, why is anyone going to pay attention to this? I've still got that quote. I've got wow. it for my presentation I'm doing to, on, on Saturday at ProBlogger. Yeah, right. And um, so what does that mean for you now, like having that quote still with you? Uh, just just no one knows. Like it's, like it's yeah. everyone kind of puts themselves out there as an expert of what's going to work in business, but I just, I just don't believe in it. Like I, I just don't think that anyone else knows any better than you know. Yeah. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like you really have to lead and, and you can't just kind of, you know, be seeking permission all the time and you know, looking up to gurus and hoping that they're going to give you the answer for something. Yeah. Um, so that was my big lesson for that stage of it anyway. So what are your top three recommendations? If someone's really clear about who they are, what's important to them, where they want to go, but they're still feeling like they're not making progress, what yeah. are your top three recommendations for them? Oh, God, it's so tough because, like, honestly, it's probably not all that actionable, but but honestly I believe, like, success can be very random mm-hmm. and so it's really hard to be in that situation where you know you're doing all the right things but other people are doing the same things and those people are being successful but you're not. Right. Um, so maybe it helps to understand that. Like maybe it helps to like measure yourself differently. Yeah. Like not based on like how many external things you can acquire that you're not going to use but like how much interesting things are you creating. So get or, out of that comparison. Yeah, I think okay. so. And um, I mean there must be some element of being patient or or 
or yeah, I think I think there's definitely some element in like having a vision and just going through with it regardless. Um, but then there's also an element of knowing when to give up. Yeah. And 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 the fact that giving up or failing doesn't necessarily mean like what you're brought up to think about giving up. Like it's not like like cutting off that business in hindsight was the best thing I ever did. But to some people that would be giving up or that would be failing, but looking back on it, it was massively successful. So I think you, I think you need to be okay with failure as like a not a personal thing about your personality it's more just like a course correction it's like well I've got a vision I'm going somewhere things aren't going well now it's just correcting course to get back on that vision and 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 be patient and hopefully it'll come and and if it doesn't come then you've got to try and enjoy everything that happens between now and then otherwise you're going to be a very unhappy person yeah 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 that is just part of the story I think it's such yeah. a useful reminder that failure is not the end it's yeah it's just part of the story and you get to choose where you go from yeah here. It's actually good in a way to fail a lot because you, you kind of get immune to it. I've failed so many businesses at so many things. <laughs> just in the end, like I, if I do something now that fails, I don't, I literally don't, I mean, I do care, like I'd rather it not fail, yeah. but I don't feel personal. Like, you know, you know how you feel that when you fail, you're like, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. Well, you, t- you do, you go, well, it means I'm a fucker. Yeah. Like I'm the one who hasn't been successful. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Yeah, I don't feel that anymore. Great. So I think it's just like over a lot of years of a lot of failing and, and a lot of understanding that there is a lot of random stuff involved. It's not just, you know, do what everyone else does and then you'll be successful. I think um, do do something that's, you know, fits with your vision and hopefully success will come. And if you do fail, like I, know, I think failing in a lot of cases can be positive. It just, it just doesn't seem that way until, you know, a few months or yeah. a few years later. Yeah, yeah. So what can I learn and where can I go from here? Yeah. You mentioned to me before that you don't that you hate doing the same thing twice. Tell me a little bit about the processes and how you get obsessed by creating processes in your businesses. Um I just well, it's partly yes, I hate doing things twice. I also like actually enjoy setting up processes. So I like using like platforms like Slack or Trello or Google Drive or Zapier to, to like automate things that are happening. Yep. Um so, you know, f- like if, if there's anything happening twice, so, f- so for example, when people sign up to my member- online entrepreneurship group, um, they, I have a virtual assistant in the Philippines who manages all, all of my stuff and I communicate with him via Slack, which is a messaging app. Um, a notification comes into Slack that someone signed up, all of their details are in there. Something goes into Trello, which is our project management system, which is free. Slack and Trello are both free. Gmail is free. Google Docs is free. So all of that, all of that software is free. Zapier is free. Um, and so I set up all of that so that he manages the whole thing. And then if there's, if there's times when I need to be involved, like at the moment where, um, where I'm actually reducing the price of it, which everyone told me not to do, but I'm doing it anyway because I feel like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to go in and change everyone's subscription. And because he hasn't done that before, I'll go through and make a little video in Jing, which is a bit of software, again, free. Yeah. Um, and... I'll get him. I'll say to him like, "This is what we have to do for twenty-five people." I've done the first one. I've written a, a process in Google Docs. Here's the process. I think it's pretty clear, but if it's not clear, make sure you write the process better. So he'll actually write the process as he goes and, and make it clearer. And then I'll say, "Show me a screenshot before you pull the trigger on that like update to that subscription for the first one." Yeah. And I'll look at it, and make sure it's okay, and then I'll say, "Yeah, go ahead and do the the other twenty-five. Yeah, right. Um, so you've got the confidence then that they're they're yeah. good to go. Yeah, and and even things as as minute as like each week I have to post a goals thread in the group, and if it falls back to me, I, I just know I won't do it. Um, 
So I get him to log into my group as me, write it all out and say, hey, guys, what are my goals for the week? I get him to spam me on every platform he can find me on to find out my goals for the week. And then he'll go in there as me, draft the whole post, show me a screenshot of it, and then I'll say, yep, post it. Um, And that way for me it's a couple of messages and I know it's going to happen as opposed to like me having to be organised and and not being able to have the freedom to go and create something else which to me is more enjoyable and probably will ultimately lead to more success than if I'm messing around posting on I love it. I love it. It's that whole thing just because you want something done doesn't mean you have to actually do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the other thing is what I do and, and a lot of other people don't do this and whether it's good or bad I don't know but I don't start businesses like I, I mould my businesses around what I want to do. So WP Kerr, for example, has never had a phone number. I hate using the phone. I don't even talk to my girlfriend on the phone. Right. I hate the phone. Yeah, right. So I'm like, if I'm starting a business, I don't want to have a phone. So I didn't have a phone and no one cared. Yeah. Like it's, you know, like at the time, a couple, three, four years ago, I was like, oh, what's like, it, it seemed like a bit unusual, but I'm like, well, if I want to build a business that's right for me, I need to not put stuff in there that I know is going to piss me off. So same with the group. Like I don't do a lot of the stuff that other people do in their entrepreneur groups. I don't do weekly calls because um, I know I, I know I'll get bored of them. That won't happen. So I just commit to doing only what I know I can do as an, on an ongoing basis, or what I know I can delegate, yep. um, or what my business partners can do. Yeah, right. And then I don't do anything else. And um, so 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 with part of what I did with WP Curve was I used to have a web agency. And I just cut out all the bits I hated from it. So that was the bit, one of the businesses where you do absolutely everything. And I hated 99% of it. So I cut out 99% and I was left at 1%, <clears throat> which was the percent I knew I could delegate. I knew I could make a, a small profit margin on. Um, and that was it. And that's all Curve does. It, it does small 30-minute jobs. And we, we, were, we were sent so many jobs like, you know, will you build this, will you build that, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jobs. And <clears throat> we said no to all of them. Because I knew I couldn't build a business around it. Like I could do the job yeah. and make the money, but I couldn't build a long-term business around it. So I think you need to be really clear about that. You either need the people to support you to do what you do. You have to really have to be very good at self-awareness, which is something a lot of people aren't very good at. No, no, I think we get, and again, I think busyness gets in the way of that. I think we get yeah. so caught up in the, the day-to-day stuff that we actually lose sight. And it's permission to be able to go, you know what? I'm not very good at it. I keep stuffing it up week mm. in, week out. Either let it go or hand it on to someone else. So, yeah, yeah that self-awareness is really key. It's a bit of ego too. Like I, I thought when I – so I was – I sort of built a name for myself for doing blogging on, on the WP Curve blog. Like that's how this whole thing started. And one day I was like, I actually, I'm not interested in writing about the stuff I'm writing about on there anymore. And so the content really started dropping off. And so I, so I really had no choice but to get someone else to do it for me. And this is how the content machine idea came around because, like, everyone else is doing their own podcast, they're writing their own blogs, and it's all fully personalised. And for me, I was just getting bored with it. It wasn't the stuff I wanted to talk about anymore. And I thought it would all be a disaster because it was like, oh, this is my voice. Everyone's going to this site for me. It was really highly personal stuff like monthly reports. Um, And it wasn't. No one even noticed. Like, I, I presented an event two years later and said, oh, I don't do any of the content for WP Curve anymore. And everyone's like, oh, shit, didn't even notice. Right. So our so, biggest fear is not always real. Yeah. So, like, the, like I think people, and this it's, it's, it's happens in the workplace all the time, like people, and this happened to me a lot, like you feel like you're irreplaceable and you think you're irreplaceable, but life goes on. Like if, if you don't, if you move on, someone else will come in and do your job. Yeah. Like yeah, unless yeah. you're Elon Musk or someone, 
you, you can be replaced. Yeah, so. which is both scary and really liberating at the same time. Yeah. Like we were talking before just around the, the sheer amount of time we fill our days with, and meetings is one of them. Like we just feel like every moment of our days filled out with meetings. You were saying you stopped going to them. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even missed you. Well, like, these meetings were silly because I used to work in, in uh, like a government department and like it was just random to what team you happened to be in. Like I was actually building an IT system but because that's what I wanted to do. Like I was employed in HR and I'm like, this is boring. I don't like HR. I want to do IT. Yep. So I just started building this performance management system. They're like, oh, sweet, you can do that. Um, so I ended up in HR in, in the training and development team um, building this IT system, which made no sense at all. So I, ha- I had to, everyone in training development had to go to like a weekly meeting with like 60 people where they just talk shit. Like they don't talk about anything that impacts you at all. Like, um, and it was compulsory to go to. 60 so, people, that's just yeah, so Yeah, it was a whole, the whole work. team and I'm like, I don't, I'm not really, I don't, I don't wow. think I'm even really in this team. No. Like, so yeah, I just stopped going and no one, no one cared. Yeah. No one really noticed. So a big part of that is is learning to say no, setting those boundaries. What gets in the way of people saying no, do you think? Um, oh, that's a good question. Maybe a bit of fear. I think it depends what it is. Maybe a bit of fear, a bit of ego. Um, I, th- I think there's also just an element of just being told what to do that's just drummed into people and they just, like entrepreneurs are pretty good at just not being not caring what people tell them to do and doing their own thing. Whereas if you're working for someone else, I think you still got that mentality a lot of the time where like you're waiting for validation and permission and um, doing anything that is not what you're being told to do is, is kind of doesn't feel right. Yeah, we're waiting for the boss to tap us on the shoulder and say, yeah. just have an hour off, just kind of chill out. It's just so not yeah. going to happen, right? So yeah. we've got to take ownership on that. I'm interested in getting your take in because we live in a really noisy environment, whether it's social media or um, blogs, websites and, and people that, you know, our attention gets pulled in a million different directions. Yeah. Um, and, often, you know, obviously with, with some of the work that you do, you're um, – really at the forefront, a lot of that kind of content marketing and putting things out there. Mm. Where do you think the line is between where people are just adding to the noise and where are they actually offering real value? Um, Well, I I think, again, the idea that your attention is getting pulled in various places is, again, the mentality that you don't have control. And I think for the most part, you can control exactly where your attention goes And, like, I, I never watch TV, for example. People are like, how much how do you get so much done? And I'm like, I never watch TV. That's, like, 20 hours a week. So I don't watch, I don't watch the news because it, it's the wrong kind of attention. Um, I probably spend too much time on social media, but I can, I can you know, more or less choose what I see and what I don't see. Um, any kind of negativity, I, I block it out and I, like, block people and unfriend them, even if they're my friends because I don't want to see that shit. So I think you, you can actually control the majority of it yeah. um, by, by just deciding that, you are actually in control of it. And you are. Like we do. I've got a friend and her, her line is, uh, don't tell me you're busy while you're ironing underpants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we don't, yeah, we absolutely have a choice around it. Yeah, yeah. I like the the quote, you've got as much time in the day as Beyonce. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's she doing with it? <laughs> yeah. 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 But but I think, yeah, so so time time is just, I think it's it's something that people, like they just, they'll just fill the amount of space they've got with whatever. In terms of adding to the noise, I generally encourage people to add to the noise. I think any any kind of creative expression is is a good idea. And um, the only thing I would say is that um, try to differentiate. That's really the only thing. I think if, you, if you're just going to create the same stuff that everyone else is creating, I'm not saying don't do it. That's fine. Better than doing nothing, better than creating nothing. 
But if you really want to achieve some sort of success with it, you, you, you do need to think about how it's different to what other people are doing yep. and how you're going to break free that noise. And it is hard. Like these days, it's kind of hard to get any attention unless you're like walking around naked, which seems to be like... Is that the attention you really want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, definitely very profitable yeah. according to what's <laughs> happening in the world. But um, yeah, it, it is hard to compete with that attention. But I think it's also about like adding value. Like everyone, not everyone wants to look at Kim Kardashian naked all the time. Yeah. Like, like if you've got something valuable for a group of people, they're going to want to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think just, I, I, I like the idea of people creating as much as possible and figuring out what works. Yeah. So what's your next challenge, Dan? Um, well, I've got some challenges that I can't really talk about. Oh, I can't yeah. really talk about. Not, well, that sounds really bad. No, I didn't the mean psychologist like that. couch. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got some changes coming up that I can't really talk about. So okay. that's going to have a pretty big impact on what I do if that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think the challenge is always like how to keep your, your life interesting for me. Mm. It's like that Tim Ferriss quote of boredom is the opposite of happiness. It's like constantly chasing boredom. It's like if, 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 if I'm getting bored in a business, um, I need to think of doing something else, but I can't just start five or six businesses because then nothing will work. Yeah. Um, so that's the ongoing challenge, but it's really just more of a blessing than a challenge, to be honest. It's, it's like a, you know, how much epic work can you actually do is, is hardly a, hardly a challenge. Yeah. It's, it's more like a, a good situation to be in, but it's an ongoing thing that I think about. So how do you choose what to say yes to? Um, well, I, I normally try and aim to not take on any more projects. Like this year, I'm like, I'm not going to take on any more projects. I think I did though. I might've taken on one. I built a brewery for well, starters, You know, there's always yeah. a little asterisk <laughs> where one's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do try to limit the amount of things yeah. because um, if you're doing 10 things, you're probably not going to do anything very well. Um, I try to, with the exception of like, like I try to make sure something's going to be fun and not just the, like the, the, the romanticism of it, but, but the actual day-to-day work of it is going to be fun. So I don't, I don't take on anything that I don't think is going to be fun. And I don't think I can add value to Like we were talking before about this idea of like progression and purpose. Like if I go into a project where I think I can really add value to it and like, I feel like I'm being useful, um, that that is, is a good flag for me to, to think, yeah, that could be worth going into. But I, I would never go into something just to make money because I'd, it's just not interesting anymore to make money. Like it's like I actually don't really, really like buying things that much. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay for money. Like I, I don't really need that much more. Um, so, so that's not a motivator anymore. It's more about like what's interesting, what's fun, and where I can actually add, like, add value to stuff. Yeah. yeah, and part of that's knowing what your values are, what yeah. matters to you and where you can step in. Yeah, and helping other people as well is part of it. It's just kind of figuring out how to do that is, is always a challenge. Like I try to be generous with putting content out there and making myself available and stuff like that, and so that will probably be more of a focus if I can think of a way to do that more. Um, but, yeah, that might be a little little way off. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm always sort of thinking about that as well because it's – like, it's just kind of crazy that we're all on this world, like, all just, like, driven so much by self-interest. Everyone's just trying to look after themselves and then you, you'd kind of get old and die and it's like, well, it's probably something more to What it. else can I get? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. look, it's been awesome hanging out and thank you for sharing a piece of yourself as part of this podcast. I just want to wrap up. So the name of this podcast is called Standout Life. If I am to offer that term up to you, what do you, for you, what does it mean to live a standout life? Uh, I, I, well, to me, I think it's it's about not, not waiting around for permission and, and acceptance before doing things. I think it's it seems to me to be a word that's about leadership and 
entrepreneurship is a great way to do it, but there's other ways to do it too. Um, just, I guess, living the kind of life that, that is on your terms and is helping other people and is, is not just kind of sitting back and being passive and waiting to be told what to do. Love it. Living life on your terms. Thanks so much for your time, Dan. No worries. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.